really sing. <laughs> yeah. la, 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 You're listening la, to the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. I'm going to be joined by SportsBlogNewYork.com founder Phil DeMeo in just a moment. But first, this podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, App, Google Play, SoundCloud, and of course on SportsBlogNewYork.com. One thing we would really appreciate you doing is not forgetting to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That's the Sports Blog New York podcast. You can search that up or go to sportsblognewyork.com, click on the podcast tab, find it there. But subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us your thoughts, tell us what you want to hear more of, tell us what you need to hear more of because we want to give the people what they want and we could only do that if you tell us what you want so shout out you thank you for coming in every week to listen to the sports blog new york podcast as well as the nba outsiders we actually have a jam-packed week this this week coming up we just had thanksgiving a lot of fun we had a lot of football we have more football coming up so this week not only are are phil and i going to talk about the nfl uh some college basketball in the knicks maybe a little bit as well uh, we're going to get to the NBA Outsiders episode maybe on Wednesday, I think. And then later this week or possibly next week, I'm going to have the founder of a website called FantasyAdvantage.com on the Sports Blog New York podcast. He is a Google alumni who created this website to help you win on your daily fantasy picks, your daily fantasy teams. It's really cool. It's really exciting. We're going to have him on uh, later this week or next week. So stay tuned for that on SportsBlogNewYork.com. But without further ado, my name is Peter Kennedy, and now Phil DeMeo. Founder of SportsBlogNewYork.com. What's up, dude? Pete, uh, thank you for having me. How was your Thanksgiving? Dude, it was, it was nice, man. I had a good little low-key Thanksgiving, a lot of good food. Not not uh, not any loud kids running around. I had nice adult, low-key, lovely Thanksgiving where I took a nap. I watched football. It, it was lovely. Yeah, I mean, my family, too, we're a little older now. The youngest is like 22 now. So definitely more the adult side. Everyone's drinking wine and hanging out. Um, you speak of the fantasy, daily fantasy, like, I had a very good day dealing fantasy. I'm kind of on the up now with football, so I'm looking forward to your conversation. That should be you know, a great tool for everyone listening, and I can't, can't wait for that conversation. Yeah, man, I'm super pumped up about it. They reached out to us uh, via our Twitter, which is at SportBlogNYC. If you don't follow them already, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast, but that's at SportBlogNYC. <laughs> you got to follow us on Twitter. You can keep up with all that stuff, every update you need for new articles, new podcasts, just some fun stuff that we do on Twitter in general. Uh, and also, uh, I'm, I'm at P. Kennedy with two Y's. So, at P. Kennedy with two Y's. That's my Twitter. And you are at Phil DeMeo. Is that correct? Correct. So, check us out on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate any interaction on this show because we love doing the program. And what makes it more fun is when we know we're giving the people what they want. So, let us know. Shout us out. We appreciate you. Uh, but, Phil, we had a lot of football last week on Thanksgiving. Had some fun games. Uh, this Sunday had some exciting games as well. Even though, on paper, the matchups this week weren't that exciting. We ended up having some real competitive games, and I think a good place for us to start uh, before we get into some of our fun little picks for this podcast where we're going to pick our basically midseason MVP, Rookie of the Year, all that jazz, Coach of the Year. I think a good place to start right now is on the the New York Jets, who are competitively losing. It's a lot of fun. Well, maybe not fun for you, but it's it's good to see. It's good to see competitive football, but also not hurting the draft pick. Yeah, it's like the perfect combination of what you want to see from a team that you know, needs one more piece, a couple more pieces in the draft that we're expected to win. And now you're seeing them compete mostly every week. They really don't really get blown out that much. The Buccaneers game, they played bad, but they you know, kept it competitive. They came it close. Yeah, the Jets are doing what kind of the perfect, ideally, what you want them to do. They're losing, um, but they're still in the race, kind of. But you kind of want to pull out of the race, to be honest. And the young players are showing they could play. And look, at the end of the day, they might have still have a top five pick. So you, can't, you really can't ask more for your draft fan. Yeah, the, the Jets are in this weird place where they're simultaneously like one game out of a top four pick, but also one or two games out of a playoff spot, <laughs> which really yeah. goes to show of how weird the AFC is right now. Uh, there's a little more separation now that the Bills had a win. Um, the Jaguars have seven wins as well. So it's a little more separation than it was a week or two ago. But the Jets are competitively losing. But, Phil, let me ask you this. As a Jet fan, I know this is technically kind of nice, right? But watching the team and seeing them just blow up in fourth quarters, uh, it has to also be very frustrating, no? Yeah, well, coming down to the quarterback play, we had a big fumble today, McCown. Uh, but listen, um, before today, before this week started, there were six teams that were four or four and six or worse. That's six teams. Then there were seven teams that were four or six, and the Jets included in that. So we're kind of this this pack of thirteen teams that are are not going to make the playoffs. Are going to now it was a race to the bottom, kind of. But yeah, we are we are choking at the end. 
But hey, take oh, wish we don't play better, but we got the we got the we got the L, and now we're kind of going up more. Climb those, those draft boards. I mean, was it who they're gonna pick? That's a conversation for another day. But like you said, we is I, I, I bring it back to the quarterback today. He lost that fumble. That cost him the game. He had some beautiful throws with Robbie Anderson on a huge day. But end of the day, the quarterback in the league, McCown's good. He might be back next year if it's just a grooming quarter, quarterback, but like, we knew at the beginning of the year, come down to quarterback play for the Jets. For real, and you know what? It's fun to watch my man Josh McCown sling balls downfield. I mean, like you said, yeah. Robbie Anderson was absurd today. He had a fantastic day. That one uh, touchdown catch he had in double coverage was outrageous. Um, so, I mean, shout out to Josh McCown for playing, playing his ass off. Like, he really is putting in work here, but it's just not enough to get over the hump often. And that can be frustrating, but like we said, I guess there is the silver lining that you're not winning games, so you're not hurting the pick, right? Yeah. Um, but when you see, basically when you see the Jets play well, right, it makes you feel good about Todd Bowles, it makes you feel good about this roster outside of the quarterback future and a few other offensive things maybe. Um, but that, that that specific thing in the fourth quarters right now, they have the worst point differential in the fourth quarter in the league, and it only got worse today. And yeah. they actually had a chance to kind of make a little comeback, and then they had a bad um, roughing the passer penalty on Cam Newton, which allowed them to kick a field goal and cover the spread, <clears throat> which was yeah. really nice for me. But uh, are th- is that something that that's that worries you? Is that something that you reflect onto Todd Bowles, or is that something you just toss up and say, "Ah, this team's really not that good. They don't belong in these games anyway." Well, three of their four wins were a Dolphin team that's not I think it's good at all. The Browns. And um, the Bills. Those three of the four wins. No win win versus Jaguars. I can feel we, Jacksonville. I'm still down to Jacksonville being an elite team. We got a caught them on a, a bad day. We played well that game. But at the end of the day, we haven't beat anybody substantial. So those fourth quarter you know, point eventual. I'm just I six at the Dolphin game. I had a big lead in Miami. They blew that game. So it does like worry you a little bit. Um, I'm not the biggest Todd Bowles fan, but I think he might have. Coaches way into next year, which is, I'm not, oh, like that. If you bring a new quarterback in, uh, you might want a new coach. But I must say, our offensive coordinator, I do like him. Um, he's getting the best out of his plays he has. Big Robbie Anderson, right? Look very good. McCown's playing well. Um, you get another, you know, beef up the offensive line, get a little more weapons. I think the offensive coordinator, Morton, I think he's a, you know, he has a future in the league. Maybe he's a head coach on the road, but he's playing well. But, you know, you hate to see your team choke a lot. But, you know, it all comes back to you don't really mind it. What he is proving, the offensive coordinator for the Jets, is that he can be decently successful without a good quarterback, right? If you want to call Josh McCown and be very kind, you can say he's the most average quarterback of all time, right? Which is probably even too generous, even though he's been making some good plays. That means this Jets offensive coordinator and this offense can function with an average at best quarterback. So that one piece has been escaping the franchise for a long time seems to be just the last piece now. So, like you said, that's something to to feel good about when you look at the offensive coordinator and the organization as a whole. And, and I'm kind of with you. I don't. It doesn't really uh, reflect on Bowles for me. I think this man is showing that he can, A, inspire these guys to play. Last year, there's a lot of this crap about he lost the locker room, which may or may have not been true. It may have been a few people in the locker room who were outspoken, who aren't there anymore. But this team... Exactly. They, this team doesn't have that anymore. There's no, there's no Todd Bowles lost the, the locker room talk this year, and that's a good thing. I think this guy's proven something. I, I hope to see him back next year. I think he could win football games. I think I'd be shocked if he wasn't back. But if, you know, if they lose the next, uh, well, how many games they have left? Uh, five games, six games. That will probably be a reason to fire him and not let him come back. But um, I think he probably will be back. But hey. I said this about Joe Girardi too, so don't take my word for it. Yeah, right. That's and that's another conversation that I'm sure we'll get into, uh, or unless the Yankees actually make a decision after Thanksgiving, if they actually uh, hire a new manager. But we'll we'll be on that on Sports yeah, Blog. There, there ain't no rush at all. It seems like yeah, absolutely not. Why should they be? And we'll we'll be on top of that on SportsBlogNewYork.com, also on Twitter. Yes. That's the, that's the spot, man. If you if you need to know about the latest stuff going on, or just some some insight, some good questioning, some good conversation at SportBlogNYC. That's our Twitter. And also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. So I think that's enough on the Jets for now. Well, before we, uh, one more thing. If I think eight lost over four and seven, now eight, nine losses. Do you 
Would you like to see them play Hackenberg once this season that you're not going to win 500 games? Oh, man. Petty or Hackenberg. Just throw them out yeah. there. See what happens, man. I don't know. I, I think there's eight, just... eight or nine losses, you can start, um, you know, answering that question rightfully so. Will we see these quarterbacks? Anything they have. You know, we said the offensive corner is looking good. Two or uh, four months under this new coach, I would like to see them play. I, I, want, I want, don't want this season to end without seeing them on the field. That's what I'm saying. It, it just feels like such a waste if you go the whole season and didn't just throw at least one of them in the fire, right? Like you yeah. set your expectations low, but you got to do it, man. You got to give them a chance. If you don't see them on the field again, then then what? I mean, it seems like they're going to be drafting or looking for that new quarterback outside of the organization, no matter what. But just throw them out there, man. What do you got to lose? And you got nothing to lose. Anderson playing well. ASJ is a really good tight end. I hope he's back next year. Curse is good. You know, they have decent weapons to um, not fully see what he has on Hackenberger Petty, but there's enough there to say, hey, you know, make plays with these guys. Absolutely. And this, uh, well, that, that, that's some good stuff. I, also, by the way, Austin Safarian Jenkins might be the most unlucky player in the league, man. He gets all yeah. these, these calls changed on him. Maybe it's karma. Maybe it's karma for him. Yeah, for real. Well, that's some good stuff on the Jets there. Uh, we're going to get to college basketball later. And just a little aside quick before we move back to football. Did you see that thing, Phil, today with Alabama uh, on Sunday afternoon? They got a couple guys ejected out of the game and had to play yeah, three versus five. Three. Yeah, I scored them. <laughs> Which is absurd. I mean, what did you play? They played the triangle defense, right? I mean, they kind of had to play that. Yeah, so the whole... Uh, if, you're, if you're the other team, why didn't you just chuck a... Spread the ball over, spread the wing. That's what I would do if I was a coach. I wouldn't be coaching. I wouldn't be playing to their strength. I'd be spreading the ball. But hey, there's got to be something to. What do I know? There's got to be something to you being on that other team, being like, "Oh my God, we're playing five on three right now." Where you're in so much shock, you don't actually know what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. the guy Sexton, um, is he on your NBA draft board? He was pretty good to me. Oh yeah, man, Colin Sexton from Alabama, uh, easily the best recruit to roll through Alabama in my memory, in my life. He, he was high recruit, like he was known before this game. Yes, he's he's been looked at as a guy who should be an NBA talent and probably a one-and-done. NBADraft.net currently has him sitting around uh, the middle of the first round, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. Actually, uh, in the top ten right now. They have him at nine. So, Impressive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he looked look good to me. Yeah, he is an athlete, and he is fiery, man. He is, like, a competitor, and it's fun to watch. Um, but like I said, we're going to get more into football a little bit. I mean, college basketball a little bit later. Talk about some of these seven-foot freakazoids. Mo Bamba, Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, and some more. That'll be fun. But let's get back to football. This is Sports Blog New York. Let's go around the league a little quick. Yeah, Sports Blog New York. Sports Blog New York podcast. There we go. Pete Kennedy, Phil DeMail, talking about the NFL. We're going to pop around the league. So before we get into these little individual awards, Phil, let's talk about this wacky AFC playoff standing. So currently as we speak. Are you watching the game right now? Yes, we, I have the game on. Uh, Watch is nailed homely. Nailed him. In the, what? You nailed him in the head and no, no call. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, yeah, I have it in the background. I just missed that. So yeah, if you uh, – right. inside sorry, insider podcast here, we're recording during the fourth quarter of the Steelers uh, versus Packers on Sunday night. And with or without the win here, the Steelers are still a top two seed in the AFC. So let's roll through this AFC playoff standings here. The Patriots yes. and the Steelers are just like – seem like locks on one and two. And then it gets really, really interesting. You have teams that – have looked good of late, have not looked good of late, who have never looked good this season but somehow have seven wins. It's crazy. But these are the teams, Phil. Right now they sit Tennessee Titans, 7-4, Chiefs, 6-5, and five, Jaguars, 7-4, and four, Bills, 6-5, and five, and then you got the Ravens, the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Raiders, all with five wins. And that rounds Chargers. out. Chargers. Watch out for the Chargers. I, I hear, I'm hearing that a lot, and it's very, very interesting. I'll let you go off on that in a moment. But then you, with that range of 6-10, to 10, you got five teams there. Who have a realistic chance? We even honestly all the way up to four. You got eight teams, six or seven teams, whatever whatever the number is, from the four seed down to the ten seed right now. All have a chance at the playoffs. It's absurd. So Phil, who do you like sneaking into those spots? Okay, so I like the Chargers. Let me do the same thing happened last year. They lost a lot of close games. The first four games they lost this year by three, by two, by four, by two. Those are their losses, right? They beat the Giants. They beat the Raiders. They beat the they um, shut out the Broncos, lose to the Patriots in a tough game, lose it overtime to the Jaguars. Now they, they blow out Buffalo. They pretty much dominated versus Dallas on day seven. The remaining schedule, they got the Browns next week. Win. 
Um, it, Washington, I don't know. We're playing Washington and LA. Washington's a very good, a good team, but they're probably favored on the game, Chargers. Maybe pick them. At Chiefs, it will be a huge game for them. Chiefs are, I will get that, they're real to fall off there in Kansas City. They're at the Jets, and then they finish up in Oakland. I mean, Oakland at home. So in those five games remaining, they could go three and two. Their eight, their eight wins, I might get them in the wild card. If they win four games, I think they're looking pretty good. How about you? The Chargers have been popping up in these playoff discussions a lot lately, and I like it. I think they have that combination of a quarterback you can kind of trust at least. I mean, the the jury's still kind of out, which is weird to say on Phillip Rivers, if he can win the big game because he hasn't been in enough playoff situations in his career. Like, what, how many playoff appearances has he even had in his career? I don't he was think a younger it's... quarterback with LT, those games versus the Colts and the Patriots. He definitely had playoff experience, not as of late. Right. Next list, but you're right. So, so what do you I, think? I trust Rivers. I don't know. I trust Rivers more than most quarterbacks. That defense though is playing well. Both the Ingram are legit pass rushers. They got good corners with Hayward and I forgot the other corner, but they're very good secondary. I need to have a chance to run the table here the last five games to go four and one. Be ideal three and two might get them in. We're shopping the we're honestly shopping to go five and zero. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I was going to get to that. They have the the combination of quarterback you can trust and a defensive line who can get after the, get after the opposing quarterback. I mean, Joey Bosa is having that breakout year this year. Uh, they've been exciting. and you, you ran through their schedule before. I think they have as good a chance as anybody now, and possibly just to win that division, because the Chiefs, the Chiefs, my friend, we thought they had the schedule just set up for them to roll into the playoffs, and maybe they can still come back, because they have the Jets next week. They have then the Raiders, Chargers, Dolphins, and Broncos. And if you looked at the schedule two weeks ago, you said Chiefs versus Giants, Chiefs versus Bills, then Jets, like I said, Raiders, Chargers, Dolphins, Broncos. Two weeks yeah. ago, you, you you thought, okay, win against the Giants. You thought, okay, win it's, against it's the Bills. Yeah. All of a sudden, now the Chiefs have lost three in a row. Five of their last six they lost. Not now they nothing. Right, now they play the Jets, the Raiders, Chargers are division games, Broncos division game, that's at Denver. They're looking from a, like a lock to make the playoffs to now, holy crap. They might only win one more game this year or two more games this year. Crazy. They might not win the division. And something else we'll get to is Kareem Hunt, right? So we're, we're going to talk about Rookie of the Year later. He's a guy who off the bat this year was just absolutely outrageous, dominating the league, uh, especially in the second half. He has massively been slowed down. Alex Smith looks like an old Alex Smith, not this one in the beginning of the season who's slinging up and down the field. They're making me nervous. I need to call myself out here because I still consider them one of the better teams in the league just two weeks ago, and they've just fallen apart. So if you were a betting man, Phil, which I'm not saying you are, but if you were a betting man, would you bet on the Chiefs to fall apart or um, the Chargers to – well, basically, who would you pick? I know you said you like the Chargers. Who do you think wins the division? Or do you think the Raiders have a chance to come back to this too as well? I don't think the, think the Raiders have a chance, not much of a chance. Um, it could, it's going to come down to that. Saturday night game on um, primetime. It's going to be Chargers at Chiefs. I think the Chargers are going to win these last, next two games with the Browns and Redskins at home. Um, the Chiefs go one on one the next two. If they win the next two, and the Chargers beat that beat them in Kansas City, that, that would be season changer. I'll, I would give like a 60-40 chance that the Chiefs to win the division. I'll give them benefit of the doubt, but it wouldn't shock me. I don't think it would shock anybody. The Chargers literally sold the division. And then, and even if they don't steal the division because of all this mishmash in the AFC, they still have a chance to get through that wild card spot. Uh, that that'll be interesting, especially with those division games late for the Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, and then you throw the Broncos in there, man. If you, someone gets the Broncos in Denver, it's a scary place to go play. You don't want to be there. You basically just never want to be in Denver. That's not a place people like to play. So it'll be really interesting moving forward. So let's talk about one of these other teams. Kind of an anomaly to me. A Broncos team three and eight. I don't think they're making any playoffs. Who's that? The Broncos are 3-8 and eight now. No, I'm saying that they could just spoil this other team, man. I'm saying yeah, they could right. play spoiler for sure. That's where I would not want to be faced up uh, late in the season. You need an easy win. They're going to try to spoil you. You know, They're not coming out here giving you a half-ass effort trying to get a pick. I don't think the Broncos are, are meant to tank, so that'll be interesting. But let's talk about this other team here. I kind of look at it as an anomaly. They don't make sense. They don't pop off the screen when I watch them play, but yet they sit here at 7-4. and four looking like a lock to make the playoffs. That's a Tennessee Titans. What yep. do you think of Mariota and that crew? Um, I think I met, I said this last week to my friends. Uh, that team is under succeeding, I believe, on the offensive side of the ball. 
they're not really living up to potential with you know Mariota, Davis, Murray, Henry. I feel like they can do a lot better than they are, but they are winning games. They give them the benefit of doubt. Um, they, I don't know if they can win a playoff game. I don't know if they can you know, have that defense and offensive combination to win a playoff game, but they should make the playoffs in the division. Uh, the Texans are going to bottom out. The Colts are the Colts. And he, I just I just don't think they've run too much competition. You, do, you will see them in the playoffs, but I wouldn't consider them a, you know, a big upset pick or anything like that. How about you? Yeah, they, they don't excite me. It's weird. You know, everyone loved Mariota coming into this year. Uh, you put you always put Mariota and Winston together, right? Yeah, they, they, they're they, both definitely, you know, didn't live up to expectations this year. They're both? I don't know if I've played the coaches. I think Camp Bay will have a new coach next year. Um, you know, the, the Titans head coach will have to win to, you know, back himself up. So I shouldn't be fired. But I think if they had a more, you know, creative coach in Tennessee, you can see them being a easy 10-win team year in, year out. Mariota seems a little too dependent on using his legs to get yards and get those red zone scores, which is obviously a great weapon, but you want to see him take that next step as a passer, and it hasn't really happened yet. But like you said, they're competing. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're still in. Um, I don't know how much I trust them in the playoff setting. Uh, But another team, this team lost this week. They had a, a kind of a tough loss where, you know, you want to see the Jacksonville Jaguars actually come out and just put it put together another game where Blake Bortles looks good and he had two rushing touchdowns that were huge. He looked good. <laughs> and yeah, he actually looks pretty good. But you want to see the full performance of them looking good, defense uh, living up to what they do week in, week out, it seems, and also win. But the Cardinals came out firing and come back for a nice win against the Jaguars. How about the Jags? I know we uh, love to make fun of Blake Bortles, not me and you specifically, but the world in general. Do they have a chance to just be a lock for the playoffs? Um, a lock is a strong word. I wouldn't consider him a lock. But, again, they should make it. Um, do they play the Titans again? I can pull that up for you. Let me see. Yeah, um, they have the ingredients of, like, a you know, strong defensive team with that strong running back, but not you know, questionable play from the quarterback. I think he plays well, but, you know, I think he's not going to go out and win you a playoff game. Um, they're a little hard in the receiver. Marcus Lee was out today. D.D. Westbrook hasn't been going yet. Um, they don't excite me. Again, honestly, at the end of the day, Pete, it's the Patriots conference. They're going to win it again. Yeah. They really are. Right. So kind, of, kind of wasting time here. Should, they, get better, they get better every week. Um, I'm, I'm still Colin Coward. He said, a Patriots defense in September, not the same Patriots defense in December. They're going to win the, the conference. Um, they're no more competition to Steelers. And Tomlin cannot go head to head with Belichick. He loses every time. So I think Tomlin's a good coach. But Belichick just beats him every single time. So, you, know, you can talk about the Titans, the Jaguars. It's nice for those families, it's nice for those teams, those quarterbacks, the roof for them. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the Patriots Super Bowl again. Ah, oh, man. It's, it's a little just straight facts. But just, just for fun, just for funsies, the Jaguars play the Colts, Seahawks, Texans, Niners, and Titans. We could be looking at that game on December 31st. Titans uh, at Titans, so Jaguars at Titans, as the face-off for the winner of that division who may end up playing like the Patriots in the first round or something like that. Yeah. So it would be pretty miserable if you get posted up against the Patriots in, in the second round. Uh, but the other teams in this division who have a chance, or this conference I should say, right now are the Bills, Ravens, Bengals. Uh, do any of those teams excite you a little bit? Even a little bit? I need the Bills to make a little noise. Um, I don't know why they put... I, I'm all for seeing what a rookie has, but when you're a winning team, I don't know why they made that move last week. That was just... That was mind-blowing. Um, I like Tyra Taylor. He, a, he never throws interception. I Honestly, the, one of my Tyra Taylor is a bridge quarterback next year for the Jets. But that's not a conversation for another day. Oh, did you, wait, you said you wanted him as a bridge quarterback? I wouldn't mind him at all as a bridge uh, quarterback. No, nah, man. That's just that's just two steps like forward, two steps back right there. You don't need uh, that. Well, that's another conversation for another day. But the Bills are definitely, right now they're in, they're in the playoffs as we speak. So I can see them getting in against six seed. Um, Shady McCoy is doing, doing good. The defense kind of came together against um, Chiefs today. They had a rough four-game stretch to build defense, but they kind of figured it out against a struggling Chiefs team. So, as the team, as those teams mentioned, the Bills are definitely the team to for. Uh, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Raiders, they're having it from them at all. Well, very nice. And shout-out to the Cleveland Browns, who have zero wins still. They don't seem Amazing. to... They don't seem to win many uh, football games nowadays. Shout out Cleveland Browns. Maybe you'll win one before the Week 17 ends. Uh, but let's move on to the NFC. This is SportsBlogNewYork.com 
No, it's just a Sports Blog New York podcast. It's on sportsblognewyork.com, but you know what I meant. I'm Pete Kennedy, joined with Phil DeMeo. Let's move to the NFC here. So, in the NFC, we don't have the same situation of the AFC, where it's clearly two teams are in the lead of the race, and no one is really close. In the NFC, we have a bunch of teams outside of Philadelphia who seem good, who have, you know, really transferable skills to winning in the cold. You know, a lot of teams based off defense. You got the Vikings, you got the Panthers, and the Saints. It, it, it's an exciting conference here. So let me just read off to you the teams who are in the hunt still. That includes about maybe 11 or 12 teams. Depends how you look at it. Maybe not so as much because these top teams are really ahead of the race. But that's the Eagles, Vikings, Rams, Saints, Panthers, Falcons, Seahawks, Lions, and then Packers, Cowboys, Redskins, Cardinals are all kind of like, yeah, they're not out yet. They're not out yet. But let's start at the top, Phil. The Eagles have another dominating performance this week against the Bears, who, you know, the Bears are nothing special at all. How easy is it for you to say that the Eagles are the best team in the conference? Pretty easy. Pretty easy? Because I, mean, I agree. They're the best team. Um, I'm not sure they're a Super Bowl band. I'm, I think no one should be prematurely naming anybody Super Bowl besides the Patriots. Um, but they're looking great. Um, Wentz is phenomenal. Jeffrey's getting through a groove that last three, four weeks. has been really doing well, Jeffrey. Ike Aguilar is either here to miss. But they have so many weapons on offense. I told um, Joe Starback, our friend, the other day that the Patriots running backs, I mean, the Eagles running backs are starting to look like the Patriots. They have four guys. Any time in the game, you can be third to the game and just do well. You got Blunt, Ajay, um, Corey Clement, and Barner. It looks like, you know, Lewis, White, um, the, the, the Patriots running back. Very similar. Rex, I think they spread the ball well. The defense is playing really, really well. Definitely the favorite. I'm not going to crown them yet. Um, the Vikings with Casey Keenan are balling. They're great defense. Um, the Rams and Saints that was a great game today. I think you might see it again in the playoffs. But I think the number one um, competitor to the Eagles is probably the Saints. I think that would be the best NFC championship we could we could see on TV. You know, Drew Brees on the road versus Carson Wentz, a young kid coming up. I think Saints weren't supposed to beat it this year. Neither were the Eagles, but you know, got a veteran and his rookie team. I'd love to see that matchup. But you know, we've we've a long way to go. But in the NFC, I like. Philadelphia and New Orleans, despite the loss today. I like that a lot. I mean, you just named one really cool possible matchup in the NFC Championship, but I'm looking at these standings here, Phil, and I see a couple other cool matchups, I'm not going to lie. If the Eagles and Rams face off, that's two second-year quarterbacks who were drafted literally one and two in the draft facing off in year two in the NFC Championship. I mean, that would be incredible if the Rams and Eagles end up facing off in the playoffs. And then you look down... Uh, Imagine the Rams in the Super Bowl. What? Imagine the Rams won. Oof. Can you believe that? Last yeah. year they were the the A and A bandits with Jeff Fisher. They couldn't get out of their own way. Uh, do you do you follow Breezing uh, Cold Takes? Uh, cold Takes Exposed on Twitter. Ah uh, yes, yes. I would love to see them bring up everyone who who shit on golf last year. Yes. Oh man. They probably they probably already do the research on it. I'm sure. I'm sure they've actually just done it. I haven't really followed that account too closely. You might have to look into that. That'd be. I'm sure it's all over the place. But also, wait, those are some matchups right there. The Eagles-Saints, Eagles-Rams, that would be really fun. You know, the Vikings are a good story now because they're just built off defense and Case Keenum is just playing out of his mind. But then you look down the conference here and you have Cam Newton's Panthers. You have Matt Ryan and the Falcons who are trying to get rid of this Super Bowl hangover and they're starting to look good again. And then you have Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I mean, those are three more teams who any given Sunday... You can just say has a chance to beat any team. Yeah, I would really like to see Seattle in it. I think mean, there's a fun team to watch in the playoffs. Even though, despite it, really sucks that Chancellor and Sherman are done. Um, you hate to see that. Um, but yeah, um, the Falcons and the Panthers, one of them will win the division. You just probably see um, the Saints. I mean, you sort of see um, one division leader fall out to the wild card game. It'd be pretty cool to see one of those higher teams on the road because um, Panthers, Falcons, and take their spot. But I think I'd rather see the Seahawks than the Panthers. I'm not really high on the Panthers. Um, it's kind of a one, I think it's a one-man show. They're really offensively. I don't think you could hang with the Eagles or the Rams or the Saints. So I really just see the Seahawks in the defense. And Russell Wilson. I don't want to start this conversation. He's definitely an MVP candidate this year. He does it all. So I really don't like to see him in the playoffs. But I think it's a really a two-three team race with the Eagles, Saints, and Rams. And if you want to throw the Vikings in there, they earn their respect as well. They've definitely earned some respect. They, they've been playing out of their minds, and they're in this weird place where they almost, you can tell they want to put Teddy Bridgewater in, but they can't. 
They can't do it. Case Keenum's been too good. And I know you were high in Detroit this year. What do you bet Detroit? Detroit's still, they're still weird, man. They can come out and beat anybody, I think. I still feel every week, you know, they're they're at least a team you wouldn't mind putting your money on because they can, really, they can play with anybody. Stafford can, can come back in fourth quarters with the best of them. They just don't seem complete enough. They they still they haven't had a hundred yard rushing game out of a running back since Reggie Bush was on the team. They haven't had a thousand yard rusher since Reggie Bush. I mean, they don't have a real run game. Abdullah and Reddick are, are fine. They're mostly best suited as pass catchers. They're not balanced. Their defense has been average. I think they're just slightly above average. I think they're going to end up on the outside looking in with eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. And nine and seven doesn't get you in the playoffs. I don't think in the NFC. Because you have too many teams that are going to be way above 500. I would really enjoy watching the Redskins. I really like to watch them play. I love Green. I like I like watching Kirk Ball out. Um, I really like to see them. I feel like they've made too many tough losses. That Saints lost last week really so they're come back and haunt them. I think. But while, I would really like to see Washington get a grand wildcard spot, but I, I highly doubt it. Also, Phil, did you see that one play where the Eagles the Eagles had a screen set up, a little running back screen to the left? Uh, maybe three defensive linemen were running free right at Wentz. He turns left like he's going to dump this screen off, pump fakes and spins out and breaks up for like a 20-yard first down. I didn't see him, but yeah, I, he reminds you of like a Big Ben, just like maybe even like a little better with the, the running. Oh, he's, a lot he's, he's better, awesome. man. Carson Wentz can move. He he's can, a more fluid runner, definitely. Yeah, he, uh, so to give you this breakdown again, he, he literally was in the shotgun, got a snap back. The running back did a little fake block. You know how they do on a screen pass. He scoots off to the left. There's three linemen running straight at Wentz. He turns left, pump fakes, and wheels out backwards around the whole play to get a first down. It was ridiculous, and it seems like every week he has one of these, um, you know, Instagram-worthy of House of Highlights-worthy, whatever it is, whatever accounts you follow. There's one play that Wentz makes every week that you look and just go, wow, oh my god, how did he do that? And he did another one this week. They're 8-0 and against the NFC. And if you, everyone kind of feels the NFC is just the better conference, I mean, they're just running through it. They're running through it. They're not having many problems. Uh, I'm going to peep their schedule real quick because I do want to uh, ask I, you I, this. I was about to do that right now. I want to see um, who they lost to. I forgot. But I don't want to get into this conversation now. I love getting these, these segues. But is Wentz the MVP? Is he hands on the MVP? Or do you think there's a couple more players who could you know, compete with him? I think there. I think there's a couple more players, and I think that's a perfect time to get to it. But real quick, they lost to the Chiefs in Week Two, and the Chiefs were still playing ridiculous. Yes. But the Eagles have a little bit of a tough road ahead. The next two weeks, they have at Seattle and at Rams, two big games for the Eagles. Three road to, games in a row. Yeah. And then they come out back to the Giants, where you know, say what you want about the Giants, that is be a division game where the Giants are going to play for some pride. They got the Raiders and the Cowboys. I can see them finishing this year. 13-3, and three, fantastic season. But to this MVP talk, Carson Wentz is oh so very close to being the clear-cut MVP. But, Phil, I, I can't – I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can give it to him. And that's because uh, – you know what? He probably – it's so tough. He, he might get my vote, but then I look at this guy, and he has the LeBron James syndrome, Right. You almost want to forget about him, that he's that good. But Tom, Tom, Brady. Tom Brady, man, Tom Brady yeah. might still be the MVP. He's absolutely ridiculous. He's only thrown two interceptions this year. Two interceptions. They're as good as they ever was, if not better. Tom Brady is right there, too. They did the Jets with one of them, right? And the Jets played them all in one game. But, yeah, perfectly said LeBron James syndrome. You're used to how great he is. I, I think uh, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, but he was MVP every year. You're hard to, hard to combat that. Um, Tom Brady, I don't know what he does, but he gets better every year, every game, every minute. He's amazing. Um, I think it'll be a two-man race with Wentz and Brady. See how they finish out. If, hey, if Wentz goes 15-1, and one, he plays like this every game. It'd be hard to not throw for him. But yet again, Brady goes 14-2. and two. But I think a, a dark horse here is definitely Russell Wilson. Not only is he going to jump the hill over Brady and Wentz, but Wilson, you know, he's a one-man show in Seattle. If you couldn't get them in the playoffs, you could somehow beat the Rams too and jump over. Um, I think they they play one more time against each other. If both of us steal the division from the Rams, he gets the votes as well. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson's definitely that third guy rounding out the MVP race. <coughs> Excuse me there for a second. Yeah, he he's that guy. I mean, their O line doesn't block us all. He's making plays with his feet. He's slinging the ball all over the place. I think Russell Wilson has a sincere 
chance to get it, but it's going to come short. It's going to be Wentz and it's, or it's going to be Tom Brady with the storylines that come along with it. I think the Seahawks also have that little bit of a, a LeBron James factor where everyone just expects the Seahawks to be good now. Like they expect their defense to be good. They know Russell Wilson's good. I know he's never been an MVP, but as a team, we look at them and go, they're supposed to be good, right? Wentz has this only his second year huge leap. He has that storyline going. And Tom Brady has that storyline going where, you know, the season started and people legit said, oh, my God, the Patriots might not be that good. And the smart ones go, everybody shut up. They're fine. They got Tom. And Tom has been outstanding, already over 3,000 yards. Like we said, only two interceptions, over 20 touchdowns. I think I think it's going to be Tom's MVP. To it's Right now it's Wentz's to lose, but I think Tom has the setup to come back and snag it, basically. I totally agree with you. I mean, it might come down to last week. I don't know last week is they might have to everything wrapped up, so they might they might not even play that you know that much. But it'll be the next the next five weeks, six weeks. Um, look out for Brady and Wentz dueling it out and see who who is who should be MVP. I think the word MVP is kind of thrown around the best player, but Brady and Wentz deserve it. Um, yeah, you might even see co MVPs. It's been done before. That is true. It has been done before. I uh, kind of kind of doubt that's going to happen this year, but it's definitely possible. You're right. It, it sincerely has a chance for that to happen. Um, so my gut says, Tom, what does your gut say, uh, if I missed that? Um, it's hard to say right now. I think Wentz will lure people in because the Eagles go 15-1, and one, I think Wentz wins it. Yes. If they oh, lose yeah. a game or two, um, it's definitely a 50-50 race. Yeah, if they end up 13-3 and three and they, they, they seem to stumble a little bit in these past couple weeks, it'll be tougher. But right now, Wentz has the chance to be the, the guy who, who just takes over this. So if I want to go quickly to who's your rookie of the year and your coach's mask. Oop, apologize for that little video playing there. Uh, yeah, so let's pop off MVP and go to rookie of the year. So for rookie of the year, we had Kareem Hunt, who looked like just the guy, right? Like he seemed like he had it easy money early on in the year. Now, not so, not as much. It's definitely not easy to say anymore. But then you had Watson, who, who definitely, I think at one point he was like minus 800 for the rookie of the year. Watson, Watson was... Now, he, got, he gets hurt. Now, I think it's a one-man race to Alvin Kamara. I don't, can't name another rookie off the top of my head who deserves that title. I, I think you have to give Leonard Fournette some love because Leonard Fournette is a guy who was a, is able to been... He's been kind of consistent. Like He hasn't had those Kareem Hunt like second halves where he went absolutely absurd. He's been just very solid. I mean, he's going to be a 1,000-yard rusher. He has six touchdowns right now. He's probably going to end close to 10 touchdowns on the year. He can he can have a real chance to take that crown. Yeah, I I don't know too. rookie, I really can't. I mean, you said Deshaun Watson, and we have to remember that Deshaun Watson wasn't only a rookie of the year candidate; he was actually an MVP candidate for the Definitely. those five or six weeks that he played. He was insane. So you think Alvin Kamara is going to snag this up and just take it? Yeah, I think I I if you think him going, feeding him the ball like they do, both rushing and passing. Uh, it would have been very hard for him not to win rookie of the year. At this pace, he keeps his pace up. It's very hard to keep it, like, a cream hunter to keep it up, but the way New Orleans is built and the way they spread the ball around and give him the opportunity to not only produce but score, I think Alvin Kamara should be the favorite. Yeah, I think... What do you think about Kareem Hunt's chances, though, to come back with some big weeks towards the end of the year? <coughs> this week, they played the Bills. The Bills have been you know been ran on four straight weeks, and he didn't do, do much today. So, I mean, you see it now, you know, the Chiefs in general just falling apart, so I wouldn't, I can't see Kareem having a renaissance the second half of the year. And by the way, just to throw this out here, put a little uh, little context on it, Alvin Kamara is the second leading receiver on the Saints. That's by, by reception. Ted Ginn has more yards, but Michael Thomas is their guy, and in the past game, Alvin Kamara is there as much as anybody else. He has 48 catches already. Mm-hmm. And we'll bounce right to uh, Coach of the Year, who's, met, who's uh, in the Saints game today, but I think Easy to be Sean McVay, but again, if the Eagles go 15 to one, it could be Doug Peterson. What do you think? Ready, ready for this one? Yeah, go ahead. Mike Zimmer. Yeah, oh yeah. Minnesota right. Vikings, man, my guy can coach it up. He got Case Keenum out there winning eight games in a row, whatever the hell it is. Uh, I mean, true. they're running all the ball. All NFC coaches. Who? All NFC coaches. Don't let AFC coaches pop off my off the screen for me. Yeah, well, Belichick definitely has the Popovich, LeBron James syndrome. He ain't getting it. Like they're. They're just not. They're not going to be like, all right, Bill, you're the best. Like again, like it's not going to happen. Um, what about what about this one? How about Sean Payton? 
Yeah, another NFC guy, definitely. 100%. I think, actually, <coughs> Sean McDermott had a chance to maybe get his name into the conversation. It just builds what made the playoffs. But after last week, pulling Tariq Taylor, there's no way that guy wins coach of the year any time. Yeah, that was very, very bizarre, man. Uh, looking back on that, especially if they make the playoffs, we're just going to be like, what? what? Yeah. How? Why? I wish I was in Tyrod's head of what he thought of that, that first half. Like, what the hell is going on here? He was probably sitting there on the sideline just like, damn, coach, you, you, you're being serious. Like, I'm not playing. This guy's playing? Five picks? All right, let's go. I'm coming Good back. Good for him. He came out. That game played pretty well. He played well today. So, props to Tyrod Taylor. Um, also, how about defensive rookie of the year? You got any shout-outs for those? I know... Um, staying, yeah, I was gonna say staying in New Orleans. Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore seems like the guy, right? Hey, David, what a talk about a great rookie class. Um, Lattimore definitely. Jamal Adams playing very well, but he had that one rookie moment, and Jets aren't really a national conversation, so Adams won't get as many votes. But yeah, I think he's Lattimore salutes definitely. Also, uh, shout out T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt in Pittsburgh, man, he's getting he got a little love. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Is that is that it on the awards? Is that any other big awards we need to talk about? Not really, right? Um. Is there most improved? I don't even know. But yeah, those are the three main awards. I think Coach of the Year is going to be a really interesting one this year. I think we mentioned Sean McVay, Doug Peterson, Mike Zimmer. You mentioned McDermott, and then obviously, you know, Belichick and Sean Payton. <coughs> Sean Payton. There's a lot of names there, and there's a lot of possibilities for this to go. And with five or six weeks left in this in this uh, year, it could really flip up. So imagine the Rams just like really crash and burn. That opens the door for Peterson or Mike Zimmer. How about, how about Doug Marone in Jacksonville? Even Andy Reid, too. Everyone's playing well. All yeah. those coaches, have, so far, we're halfway over the season. They've all coached very, very well. Yeah, I, I'm actually looking on Sports Illustrated right now, SI.com, about their little midseason report of uh, midseason awards. And they have one vote for Todd Bowles. Hey, okay. How about that? How about that? Jason <laughs> I'm surprised, like, uh, Hugh Jackson isn't in there. <coughs> oh, geez, Phil. You're killing me here. You, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, 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 you made me laugh for, like, a half second, and, and these allergies and this weather is just getting to me. My nose is all stuffed up already. Uh, Wait, but you see ben I can't handle that right now. Well, uh, Benny with the good hair. How about him? Oh, yeah. Benny with the good hair, man. Coach of the year. Absolutely. Ben Mac. I can't. I laugh when he's on the screen. His slick back hair, the big night glasses. It makes me laugh, like, Dude, what are you doing? He's he's a clown, man. It's tough. It's tough. It's a really weird thing to even just see him exist as the, the Giants coach right now. He got used to Tom Coughlin, like this rough, rugged guy, and now Ben McAdoo, like can't he can't choose if he's gonna be rough and like suspend players or if he's gonna be like this cool guy with slick hair. Like he, he just doesn't even know who he is. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll have a whole podcast dedicated to Giants into the season, but they have a very like a lot of interesting questions to answer. A lot of them. That is, that is very, very true. Well, this is Sports Blog New York Podcast. Pete Kennedy here, joined with Phil DeMeo, and that's some good stuff on the NFL. But now it's time to talk about a few guys who play in the college basketball league, the NCAA, if you've heard of it, who are just absolutely freaks, man. And they are going to be getting their names called on NBA draft night this year. So the first guy um, I want to just talk to you about, Phil, have you got to see Marvin Bagley at all? I have not. You know college basketball is not my thing. But I'm, I, I, want, I want you to educate me and the listeners right now on – who should I be looking out for? Um, again, the Knicks, I don't know if they're going to be in the top, top of the draft. They're playing pretty well. They could, make the, could possibly make the playoffs where they play some games, some games they don't. But, yeah, they're very competitive. Um, but, yeah, who should I be looking out on my TV, my highlights? Who should I be keeping an eye on? Uh, you said Begley. I know there's a couple of centers out there. I don't know how, I don't know how much you know about the guy in Europe. But, yeah, it's, um, there will be some names out there. Yeah, so you know, you know how I do on the on the NCAA basketball front. I I like the sport, but I really like following the prospects and seeing who these guys are. <coughs> excuse me, who are going to be the top picks, and they are just everywhere right now. So the names you need to know right now, off the bat, because you know we're the sports blog New York podcast. New Yorkers don't have like a team, right? We don't have that one team we love in hey, college basketball. Hey, John's four and one, I believe, or five and one. Shout out Chris Mullen. Yes, um, we, we, we didn't play anybody. We lost to Missouri without Michael Porter. Well, yeah, you might be mentioned right now. Exactly, he will be. He will be mentioned here. So these are the the, the names you got to look for in the highlights and uh, when draft time is coming around. These are the names you're going to be hearing. And I'm going to start off with Marvin Bagley in Duke, who has been the most impressive guy so far, in my opinion, because he's been putting up monstrous performance after monstrous performance, and he actually is playing right now. So I don't know how he's doing tonight on Sunday. Um, 
But he dropped a game where he had 34 points and 14 rebounds the other day. He looks like the most athletic player on the, on the floor. And the one thing that's impressed me a lot is that he's not just getting these easy dunks. He's posting and toasting a little bit, and he's got touch. Like, he's got actual touch with, the, ho- three or four? with the hook shot. What? What position is he? Would you say? He is a 4-5. Four, 4-5, five. Four, five, okay. Yeah, he is a 4-5. He's 6-11, man. He's 6-11 with a ridiculous wingspan and great athleticism. He's the guy whose name is going to be most prevalent, I think. But that being said, I think when draft time really comes around and we get to know these guys a little better... I don't believe he will be number one off the board. I see him as top five, but the hype will be there for him. His name will be all over the place because he plays for Duke, and Duke's going to be very good this year. Um, Marvin Bagley, keep an eye on him. He's going to have sick performances this year. The next guy I want to get to just had a showdown with Marvin Bagley. He does not have the offensive tools that, that Bagley has, but he has the ridiculous size. And that's Mohamed Bamba, called Mo Bamba. He plays for Texas. He's seven foot. I'm pretty sure he has like a seven like a 7'6 seven, or 7'7 seven, seven wingspan, some crazy wingspan. Um, he just does not have the offensive skill set. Somebody definitely will take a pick on him in the top five. He's ridiculous. Um, so, wait, Phil, you said you haven't seen any of Bomba yet? I mean, of, no, of, I, of, I, of Bagley? I, I haven't watched any college basketball this season yet. Okay, and also this guy, Mo Bamba, has a 7'9 wingspan, which is absolutely insane. That sounds like the uh, Philly pick to me. Yeah. You know what? Um, one of our guys, the NBA outsider, Justin Babb, the big Sixers guy, he sent a little plot twist jo- slash joke into our group chat. Michael Porter, right, just got hurt. He's out for the season. Still projected to be a top pick in the draft. He goes, perfect plot twist. Sixers get the Lakers pick that they have rights to if it falls in the right spot. Porter drops on the board. They get Porter at six. He sits out the first year, just like Sixers rookies do. Comes back and is a stud. <laughs> I mean, I mean... That's probably gonna happen. <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no uh, surprise in there. So the big guy from Texas you got Begley, uh, Michael Porter got hurt. I mean, that just opens the door for conversation. He's not shooting to be playing in college, but that's a conversation for another day. So and Michael Porter, that's yeah, it, it really is unfortunate that we're not gonna get to see him play. And it's a little scary. He's having a back surgery, right? So a back, yeah. anything with the back yeah, and a six ten guy, that's a little off putting. The back controls your whole body, man. If you, that back goes. Not much you can do. That is that is true. But the the last guy I want to talk to you about out of these ridiculous big men, Bagley, Porter, um, Bamba, even Jaron Jackson, who in Michigan State, who's a little a little bit to a lesser extent, but he's in the conversation. This is the guy who I kind of think is going to be the dark horse, and it's not really a dark horse. Um, the guy who might be the actual number one pick. This guy is seven feet tall. He is a freak athlete, and he plays for Arizona. That's DeAndre Ayton. Now I think. I have heard of him. Yeah, Arizona has had got off to a, a pretty slow start. They've lost a couple games already this year, but they got talent. They got loads of talent, and I think DeAndre Ayton is going to be the guy. He's seven feet tall, two hundred sixty pounds, can move with the best of them. He's going to be a guy who NBA scouts are going to just salivate when they watch. Um, and he plays in Arizona, and Arizona has been pumping out some good prospects lately. Laurie Markkinen being the, the latest, but they have a bunch of really t- top tier players. Remember, I wanted it for the Knicks. I, I, I wouldn't mind it for the Knicks, but I'm not happy with Frank. Oh, how can we not be happy with, with Frank Nilakina at this point? He'd be a little more aggressive, though, a couple of times. He's still very young. Yeah, but he's got I time. Wanted to, I wanted to mention, you did not name anybody from Kentucky in this little shortlist you had. Any, what's up with Kentucky this year? Yeah, Kentucky has some guys. They definitely have people that are going to get drafted. I think in first-round talent, only one or two. I mean, they have the guy... Um, Kevin Knox, who's kind of just like a, a, a pure athlete right now. He's a little raw. He's like a, a wing four player, either a three or a four. And then you got some, some weird guys who not everybody really has a good feel on yet, and that's uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Also, uh, I'm not sure how to say his name, Hamadou Diallo, I think is how you say it. He, he, he's looking like a possible second rounder, which means he might stay uh, in Kentucky for another year, which is which is rare, which means maybe Kentucky will be like dominant next year if they have some of these guys not leave in the first 10 picks. So I think, as everybody knows, I don't follow college that well. But has Duke kind of taken over the Kentucky blueprint? Oh, well. Every year, Blue, Duke has these top guys in the NBA, Tatum this year, name down the list, all these top guys, and the Oakwood didn't pan out, but these guys get drafted high. Now I'm thinking Kentucky, I mean, in the last five, six, seven years, you talk NBA draft in October, November, talk about a Kentucky guy, and now you haven't named any. 
That is a very fair point. And I think there, there was like a teetering point a couple years back where I think Coach K realized, he's like, you know, we have the opportunity to get these big-name guys and to, to reel in these guys who are going straight to the NBA in one year. And these other teams are doing it. And if we're stubborn and don't want to partake in this one-and-done culture, we're just going to fall behind. And they decided to jump on that, and they've been dominating recruiting. I think they've had top top uh, draft uh, recruiting classes like over the past five years, every single year. Didn't the guy from next year already commit to them? Something like that? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't even yeah, know who you're talking about, actually. Yeah, I guess it's really silly. But yeah, it really just, I mean, I feel like it really started with Kyrie. Kyrie was one of the first ones, correct? Yeah, I mean. Is it just new era? It was definitely Kyrie. Kyrie is definitely going to be the poster boy of that of that whole thing. I think Tatum is going to be one of the people who really push That's it forward. Right. And, you know, shout out Luke Kennard, man. Luke Kennard's been balling out a little bit. And, um... Is Grayson Allen, is there any, any chance he's something? Grayson Allen will be in the NBA for a little bit. Definitely. Right, definitely. Yeah. Like he, He'll probably be a first-round pick this year, like late first-round pick, kind of where those like four-years player go, you know, right at the end of the first round, right at the beginning uh, of the Spurs, second round. Spurs, um, <laughs> Spurs, no way. You think they want his semantics out there in San Antonio? No way. I will say. I think he's a shooter. Um, Shout-out to Duke, though. If you want to mention those other guys, some guys you're going to be hearing their name pop up a bunch. That's Trayvon Duvall. He's a really athletic uh, point guard on Duke. And then you got Gary Trent Jr. He's going to be a stud for them. And then Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter is like a 6'10 guy. When you see him next to Marvin Bagley, you almost think like that's his doppelganger because they both have really ridiculous skill sets. Uh, he's going to be a first-round pick as well. So I think by the end of this year, Duke has you know four, maybe five first-round picks. Yeah, let's see if they can make it in the tournament. Yeah, for real. Maybe this is going to be that year. And the last guy I want to talk about before we just shout out some Knicks things is uh, Miles Bridges. That's somebody who you might know. I read him on. I read the story of him in Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I read the whole thing. Yeah. So he could have been a lottery pick last year. Legit, like he would have been a top fifteen pick. He's projected to be a lottery pick this year again. He decided to stay in Michigan State. He's made it clear. He's like, I want to win a national championship. I'm back at Michigan State. I want to complete the task. I want to win it all. And Michigan State is, uh, I think, ranked number two in the country right now. They're ridiculous. I have Tom Izzo. They're, they're awesome to watch at this point. But Miles Tom Bridges, Izzo, Tom Izzo's like, he's like, why are you staying? Like, go get that money. Like, I want to. I think Izzo felt like it was like a bad look on him. He's like making this player stay. The top recruits are one and done. They want to play for him. But we're just making it clear. I'm here to win. It's my number one thing. I could, the money will come to me. Like his mom was, his mom's pissed too. His mom wanted him to go. But he, he really committed to winning in Michigan State, which you got to respect. And what I want to say about Miles Bridges is when you see him on the court, you just see an NBA body. I mean, my man is jacked. Like, he can run and jump. He has a little bit of a handle, like just enough right now in the college game. Wouldn't transfer over right away to the NBA, but he's going to be a great pick. Uh, he is strong. Can He projects to be able to rebound, defend, and score at a couple different levels. He's a lefty, a little bit weird on the jump shot right now, but Miles Bridges is going to be awesome all year long in college basketball it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch him uh before we move on to the next quickly i don't know i don't want to miss i want to mess up his name the european guy what do you got in him luka Doncic, man luka Doncic is gonna be a top three pick guaranteed he's a big man he's a four he is a point forward man he's like a shooting guard small forward he's a ball handler He's not Ben Simmons because he is 6'7 and not 6'11 like Ben Simmons. But he is the similar type of player where he is going to be able to run the pick and roll. He's going to be able to get out and fast break. He can actually shoot, which makes him not like Ben Simmons. He can pull from range and he can get to the rim. He has every skill set you need except for very explosive athleticism. I'd say his his athleticism is probably average for NBA if he's lucky, but he's got size. He's 6'7", 220. But I'm telling you, Phil, this kid has skills. He's been playing pro ball over in Europe for like four or five years already. He He's an adult. He's going to be 21 years old this year. He's coming over, and people are going to be in awe from his passing and his ability to stretch the floor. Yeah, I can't wait to see those highlights in the combine and see where he lands. A lot of these NBA guys, uh, it's about going direct to the right place. It really is. So, I mean, I look forward to following him and seeing through the process and seeing which team he lands. It's always fun to see kind of match or what what can these players do on what team. It's really fun. Absolutely. And uh, like you said before, we don't know where the Knicks are going to be. We don't know if the Knicks are going to oh. be in the top 10 or a lottery or a fringe playoff team. We don't know where they're going to end up. So what we can't do here for one time in our life, Phil, where the Knicks have their own pick, we're not, you know, hammering home who they're we're picking. Not, we're not counting down to the draft. 
We're not counting down to the draft, and that's because the Knicks have been fun to watch. Man, yeah. the Knicks are playing hard. The Knicks lo- seem to actually like each other as a team. Um, how much have you been able to enjoy this little surge of competitiveness over the first month or so for the Knicks? I'm loving it. I went to the Jazz game a couple weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the Garden is definitely bad. The Garden loves his basketball. Um, it's, amazing. it's really incredible. Like, I wrote this in my piece that basketball is the one sport that everyone plays growing up, everyone's you know, could relate could relate to. So we see a team like New York when the fan base is split, it's like the Giants and Jets, like the Yankees and Mets. It's, everyone kind of knows the Knicks and roots for the Knicks. So it's really fun to see everyone come together to root for the Knicks. As the team itself, you got like one sec, a very tough coach and you know, players earn their minutes. Um Frankie's gonna be here for a long time and he's a really gonna throw more aggressive on offense that will come in time, but he he's gonna be in the league just for defense itself. He's a great asset. Uh, Courtney Lee hasn't been missing the last few games, so Courtney Lee's been playing awesome. Tim Hardaway, he's just funny to watch. He, he's just struck a three. He's a little kid, okay. He'll go to the rim. He's fine. And, of course, he got Porzingis. Um, yeah, he might be a little injured on his elbow. Um, they're not playing him every game. Um, I, Porzingis, you know, MVP quality player. And the, the player I love is Ennis Cantor. Ever since, like, even before I leave the game, we stuck up for Frankie and, you know, for, for LeBron. But Cantor gets it. Cantor's at that classic big man that you need, that you just like to have. You just get the rebounds, finish behind the rim, and you shoot 64% from the basket. So I really, really, really like what I'm seeing from the Knicks team. And of course, Dougie, Mc, Dougie McBuckets, he, he can, he's a little spark, spark book off the bench. Yeah, man. Doug McBuckets has been raining threes. He's, I think, a surprisingly good slasher. Like, he gets to the yeah, rim. Yeah, he's been hopping. Yeah, he throws down a little dunk, a little reverse layup here and there. Uh, I like he's what he's doing. He's the fourth quarter. He's the fourth quarter. He's in there. By the way, speaking of fourth quarters, Kristaps Porzingis, second in the NBA in uh, points per game in fourth quarters, behind only LeBron James. And we saw that we saw LeBron do what he does in uh, the Garden a couple weeks ago. But yeah, um, like what you're saying, Michael Carter will play playoff team yet. He very well could be. But in the East, you got teams better get the Boston. You got to put the Cavaliers over them just because LeBron. Uh, the Bucks are better than them. Uh, Philly's probably better than them. Washington's probably better than them. So those are the, the top strong East. But after that, you know, I think they're better than the Heat. I think they're better than the, the, the Hawks and the Magic and, and the Hornets. I think they're better, better than those teams. So definitely it should be a nice, long season for Knicks fans. Absolutely. And that's the key, right? <coughs> Excuse me again. That's the key, though, a long season where we still actually care about how they're playing, uh, wanting them to win games later in the year, right? That's always a lot of fun when you're not uh, hoping they lose to get a better pick. Yeah, I can't see this team quitting. If they're all healthy, then they're going to quit. They all play for each other. Like you said, it looks like they actually like each other. Um, Courtney Lee and Hardaway really have been improved this season. They've really taken the reins of, you know, kind of that, that mellow spot. where They're getting their shots. They're, they're spinning it evenly. I think Hornacek is really growing the offense through non-selfishness. Um, sometimes the ball does stop. But hey, that's basketball. You're not going to have a fluid basketball play every single time you have the ball. But yes, they're very fun to watch. They're, they're, you watch the home game now. You must watch TV if you're a fan. Even if you're a casual fan, they'll turn them on. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I watched Knicks over the Monday Night Football game. I didn't watch it was uh, Panthers Dolphins. I didn't watch one minute of it. So oh. It really shows you the way um, New York the Knicks have been taking over the city. I am with you on that, man. The Knicks have been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm going to say this, though. Tread lightly for a moment because the Knicks have lost two in a row. Uh, I thought it was a really tough loss against the Hawks the other night on Friday night. Oh, that was bad. I mean, they ended up losing by 12. It was pretty close all game, so I'm not going to say like they got blown out, but it wasn't a good look towards the end and of the I'm game. I'm pretty sure the next 18 games, 15 of them are on the road. Well, that's... We've, had, we've had some home loving. Um, shout out to schedule makers. We've really took advantage of the home. But, of course, it's an 82-game season, 41-41. It all evens out. And now we got to go on the road for a little bit. Well, also, before that little road trip, there is a couple more home games coming up, and that is a very tough stretch, even for home games. So this this uh, Monday night, this Monday, today, the New York Knicks are playing the Portland Trailblazers at home. Then they have the Heat on Wednesday at home. Then the Magic, and then they got the Pacers, Grizzlies, Bulls, Hawks, Lakers, uh, and the Nets. You look at this schedule, and after you run through the, the Blazers on Monday night, the Heat are beatable, the Magic or Heat are beatable, Pacers, Grizzlies, Bulls, uh, Hawks, and Nets, and Lakers. These are really beatable teams. And the one thing that me and Alec always talk about on the podcast is, you know, people sometimes criticize the Knicks when they have an early season good record. You're like, oh, they're beating only bad teams. The Knicks aren't a team that usually beat who they're supposed to beat. 
So it's really They're important. The compliment, the compliment. Right. So it's not it's it's important for them to to play Orlando and win. It's important for them to beat the the Bulls after um, they lost to the Hawks last week. It's important for them to come back in a few weeks and beat the Hawks in their second chance. Like they need to win the games they're supposed to win. And this next couple weeks can either make or break how we look at the Knicks moving forward. That's one hundred percent. Again, I don't think they'll quit. They're going to be fighting every game. I give a uh, props to Jeff Hornacek for kind of creating that culture. He really started in training camp when you can see like Willie Hernan Gomez. He's over the head to any position, and he's been working for his, his time ever since. They didn't really set a good precedent for the whole locker room and team in general. I'm looking forward to how they finish and how they play next, you know, three four weeks now. If they could continue competing every game and these players' progressions, and will we get Lee and Hardaway playing like this for a stretch of time? We're thinking it's been more consistent, scoring 28 points a game, more consistently and more easily. Now just all in the fourth quarter. I'd like to see him stretch out a little bit. And I'm waiting to see Kansas come back. I would really want – and Kansas is one of the you – know, look at the East. He's probably a top six, seven center. So I'm really, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from him. Which, you know, I don't know if that says more about the East or more about Cantor, but either way, it's it's pretty close to being a fact, and that's real nice. Also, as, as you were just going off on that little um, aside on the Knicks there, Marvin Bagley in the background on my TV just swatted a block, ran full court with a Eurostep finish, reverse hand, uh, and he's made a ridiculous play. So he's ridiculous. Uh, the Knicks probably won't be in the discussion for yet in one of these top picks, but that would be a good thing. That means they have a culture. That means they're winning basketball games and they're competing. It's all things we really love to see. Also, shout out Michael Beasley came in the other night against the Houston Rockets and uh, <laughs> scored funny. scored thirty points. Even though he seemed to get like fourteen, this easy. easy the Knicks were up for like twenty in the first quarter. And you look at the box score. It's Michael Beasley has fourteen points. It's like they can they can win this game. If Beasley gave him fourteen in the fourth quarter, that's not gonna happen the whole game. So the eventually the Rockets did you know do what they did and just. They tried the lights out. Okay, uh, Ryan's had a great game. Harden, of course, had a great game. But yeah, um, that was fun the other night. I I've been really really loving Courtney Lee this year, man. I really like that he's being aggressive offensively. He's shooting more threes. He's getting to the rim with those weird floaters he likes to do. Uh, I've been enjoying watching Courtney Lee take control and be one of those veteran leaders. You know, Jeff Hornacek said something pretty cool. I thought about Courtney Lee. He's like. Since he'd been in New York, I've been trying to get him to score more. I've been trying to get him to take more shots and be more aggressive. He hasn't missed. He barely misses the last few games. I might be shooting 70, 80 percent in the last few games. Yeah, he has been he's been very very good and very. He hits open threes. If you leave him open for three, the good chance he's gonna hit it. And uh, the last thing I want to say about the Knicks, and then we could we could finish up this episode of the Sports Block New York podcast. Jeff Hornacek and Scott Perry and Steve Mills they said this before the season when Willie Hernan Gomez was not getting the minutes early on. You need to win your minutes. You need to earn your minutes. You need to win it in practice. When you get your chance on the game on game day, you need to earn it. Um, Willie got a chance because Cantor and Porzingis were out. But that so means so did Kyle Quinn. Right, and so did Kyle Quinn. But he's been getting minutes no matter what. But when Willie's not getting minutes, you just have to remember this. That means that other guys are not losing their job. That means they're playing well enough to keep their minutes. So when Willie's not getting the minutes, I know Nick fans really do love him. Nick's Twitter loves him. All this, all this stuff about Willie, I love him too. But that means Kylo Quinn, Porzingis, Cantor are all healthy, playing well, and are effective. Otherwise, if they're not effective, if they're not healthy, Willie's going to get his chance. So his chance will probably come. But if he's not getting his chance, that means there's still that competitive culture where guys need to fight for their minutes. They need to, they need to want to earn their minutes. And uh, there's no there's no moaning and groaning on the bench. Everyone's still rooting for each other. Everyone's still pulling for each other. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, Kyle Quinn's reactions on the bench. Ron Baker's reaction on the bench. Michael Beasley. Phil, did you see the twe- um, the the gif of Michael Beasley with that little strut where he's yeah, watching? He's, oh yeah, my he's god! A great bench mob guy. It was one of the best bench mob reactions I've ever seen. I love it. I watched it like 30 times. I mean, it's been fun. It's been really fun. Let's just hope was, they continue uh, to be fun. To tell off that you're going to work hard as testament, that's testament to uh, Doug McDermott. He's getting these minutes. He, he deserves those minutes. So shout out to him for working hard in the gym, really uh, developing his game. He's not just a, you know, a typical shooter, but he's playing really, really well. He's trying on defense. Um, he's slashing, like you said. He's really becoming like a really like a really reliable bench player, like 20 minutes of a 20 minute night player. So shout out to Doug McDermott. Shout out Doug McDermott. Um, also, shout out Frank Nielkino. We mentioned him before, man. He needs to just keep getting comfortable, keep making some aggressive mistakes, keep making now, yeah. uh, make some of those aggressive plays and turn them into 
actual plays and not mistakes. They're, they're going to come. They're going to come. We need to just stay the course with this guy. He's going to make some weird mistakes. He's going to get in foul trouble a lot. There's a future for this kid, and it's not too far away. Yeah, he, defensively, he's – I say he's there, but he could be like a top – top you know, all-defensive team NBA. He's really that good at defense. He's only going to learn the passing lanes. He's only going to learn what what can, he, what can he get to get away with on defense. I mean, he's not going to get the, the veteran calls. Nowhere near that, but he definitely has a body, the the width hall, the, the, the IQ to be a really, really great defensive player in his league. That alone is enough to be stay, uh, make him get some legit minutes in the NBA. So, again, um, I, think, I think he could shoot, but he's afraid to shoot. Um, I, he needs to learn he could make mistakes. Um, so his, his, his playing time is for him to learn the game and make he makes, he really makes the, the, the extra pass. I always see him go to the rim more, shoot a little more, but hey, you know, he's, 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 he's part of the game plan. He's really playing his role. But again, I, of course, I'd like to see him be a little more aggressive. Yeah, he's on his way. He's on his way for sure. It's going to be fun to watch the ride. Uh, Phil, any, any last words? We're going to close out. Um, I want to shout out my one of my best friends from high school, Mikey Sonali. He had his kid two days ago. We watched the Hawks game. We watched the Rockets game. So MJ, little baby MJ, we're all in two with the Knicks, but we're going to do fine. Uh, I love you. Your parents love you. I can't wait to... He's a, he's a father's a big Mets fan. I'm a big Yankee fan, so I, I, I held him today for the first time. I said, MJ, um, you could be born to the next Yankee dynasty. I just want to tell you that you know you could go against your father, and I'll take you to the Yankee game. So shout out to MJ, shout out to Mikey, shout out to Victoria. Best of luck, and I'm looking forward to watching MJ grow to a great, great human being. And a great Yankee fan, I guess, huh? Uh, he'll be a Mets fan. He's already got Mets clothes. <laughs> That's really awesome, though. Congratulations to your buddy, Mike. That's really cool to hear. Uh, but if the Knicks keep losing since he's been born, I don't know. I'm going to have to come like do some juju with this kid. I know. And the, the Met, Jets lost today, but it's fine. He's a, <laughs> his father's a, a Met, Jet, a Knicks fan. Oof. So, poor kid. He's like, he's like me, but we, I got the Yankees. Yeah, poor kid. I have the poor Giants kid. at least. I, know. <laughs> I told him. I told Mikey, um, he's like being a Met fan. I got to call Charles Church if it can't happen anymore. <laughs> oh, it's a sad world, man. The, the Mets stink. <laughs> the Jets are stinking. The Giants, oh, man. We... We got the Yankees now, and the Knicks are fun. The Knicks are fun, and we're good. The Knicks are fun. That's all we need. Yankee team manager. That's the story for another day. That's it, man. Stay on tuned with uh, at SportsBlog NYC, SportsBlogNewYork.com. You know where to find us. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This is SportsBlog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. For Phil DeMeo, we're signing off. This is it. This is SportsBlog New York Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.